You don't have to be rolled into an operating room to get a scientific clean. You can just get your morning coffee or bottomless breadsticks or celebrate 10 years together because the scientific expertise that helps operating rooms stay clean helps restaurants too. Look for the Ecolab Science Certified Seal where you dine. This episode is brought to you by Madewell. Ready to step up your denim game? The experts at Madewell use premium fabric and the latest denim technology to make super comfy, never want to take them off jeans in fits and styles for everyone. The kind of jeans you'll reach for again and again. Get $20 off your online jeans purchase by using code SPOTIFY20 at madewell.com. Terms apply. Please see madewell.com slash promos for full offer details. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth, and you're listening to Go Ask Alley, where this part of the season, I'm asking, how do you grow a healthy relationship with yourself, with a spouse, with a sibling, even your dog walker? And on this episode, we're talking about self-care and more specifically, our mental health. And here to help us all transcend is today's guest, Bob Roth. Bob Roth is a meditation leader and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Strength in Stillness, The Power of Transcendental Meditation. You may also know him from a serious XM radio show, Success Without Stress, or his bite-sized talks on the podcast, Stay Calm with Bob Roth. Bob also serves as CEO of the David Lynch Foundation, a nonprofit that provides transcendental meditation to at-risk populations. And before we start, I have to say that this is going to be a conversation, but also a challenge because my husband, George, is a big meditation guy, twice a day. And Bob has been an integral part of his life, had taught him all about um, meditation. Almost all my posse, all my friends are big meditation people. And I honestly have been very skeptical about it. I haven't wanted to do it. George tells me at least once a day, you should really meditate. Or the reason you're doing that is because you don't meditate. And the reason you have wrinkles is because you don't meditate. (laughs) So now I'm actually with the source I want to talk to you, Bob, about meditation, and I want to see, this is a challenge, if you can actually convert me to do so. So good morning. (laughs) That lovely note. (laughs) Just want you to know, Bob, I'm furious with you and what you have to say, but let's have a comfortable conversation. I'm actually not furious at all. I'm actually, after many years, I could be a convertee. So let's start out very, very, very rudimentary. Let me just ask you, what is meditation? Well, the word meditation just means thinking. So there are so many different types of meditation. So you can have concentration type thinking. You can have prayer meditation, which is thinking about things. You can have focused attention meditation or mindfulness meditation, which is watching your thoughts. And the the other is transcendental meditation, which is a simple technique that allows you to get to the deepest, quietest level of the thought process. And that's what George does, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that's what my brother does and Jerry Seinfeld and everybody. Yes, continue. So I like to use an analogy of an ocean where, Allie, you're on a little boat Mm -hmm. during non-COVID times, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you get these giant 30, 40, 50-foot high waves, and you could think, oh my God, the whole ocean is at upheaval. But if you were to do a cross-section of the ocean, you'd realize 
the nature of the ocean may be turbulent on the surface, but the ocean is miles deep, and the nature of the ocean at its depth is pretty darn silent. And the, by analogy, we say the mind is the same way. The surface of our mind is like those choppy waves or tsunami-esque waves. And some people call it the monkey mind, but I like to call it the gotta, 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 gotta mind. I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, and I gotta call him, and I gotta call her, and I gotta make a list, gotta find the list, gotta make a new list, gotta slow down, gotta get going. All the gottas. And it's yeah. a natural human desire to say, oh, I'd like to have some inner calm here, some inner break of the noise, some inner equanimity. And the operative word there is inner. And the question, is there such a thing as an inner? And if so, how do we get there? And that's the realm of meditation, bringing equanimity to the mind. I would think that, and I'm speaking for myself, the first part of meditation is almost like this huge wall that I couldn't penetrate, meaning as soon as I sat down, my mind races and I do all those things. I think, oh God, I've got to, I've got to pay the plumber and I got to do this. I just, I cannot quiet my mind. Yes. And which makes me immediately throw in the towel and go, I can't possibly do this. Which is actually, it's a very sad misunderstanding of what meditation is about because so much of meditation these days, the understanding has been, oh, if you want to have a quiet ocean, what disrupts a quiet ocean? Waves. So stop the waves. You want to have a calm mind, what disrupts a calm mind? Thoughts, so stop thoughts. But in transcendental meditation, we hypothesize that there's a level deep within your mind right now, Allie, whether you believe it or not, you, you could be 100% skeptical. Right now, there's a level where your mind is already calm and settled and peaceful and alert, and it's a source of your creativity and energy, and we've lost access to it. And transcendental meditation gives, key word coming up here, effortless access to that quiet level within. It requires no control of the mind. And I teach 10-year-old kids with ADD who couldn't close their eyes for half a minute without going nuts, and they can do TM. They love it because it's effortless. Right. And, and so what does it mean to transcend? Does it mean to get into the depths of the quiet part of your mind? It just means that vertical dimension that there is the ocean is not just the surface and the mind is not just all my thoughts that I have to somehow stop, but that there's a vertical dimension. There's quieter levels of the mind. You already know that. You go to a park and you see some kid when you could go to a park and you see some kid and you say, whoa, that little kid is a hothead. That little kid is boiling over with rage and his poor little body is tense. But we also know, oh, that person's cool, calm, and collected. And we have that phrase, cooler minds will prevail. So the hypothesis is that underneath all that noise is a level of you, your mind, that is already settled. Sometimes athletes access it when they experience the zone. Sometimes maybe when you're doing comedy or you're doing something, you just click into something mm -hmm. and you feel clear and inside it's quiet and yet you're just, you got it. That's just accessing those deeper, quieter levels of the mind. And to transcend, in this case, just means to settle down. And what is our brain doing at this point? Well, interesting things. When we're not meditating, the brainwave activity when we're just in normal waking state is called beta brainwaves, which are 13 to 20 cycles per second. And that's scattered. You're all over the place. Mm -hmm. So that's 13 to 20 cycles per second. When you're sleeping, just by putting things in context, mm -hmm. sleeping is about one or two cycles per second because you're unconscious. Right. Dreaming is three to four cycles per second to seven or eight. And cycles per second means how many times does the electrical activity of your brain go up and down in a second? So when you're unconscious, it's just 
almost not at all. When you're in waking state, it's pretty fast. During TM, it's eight to 10 cycles per second. And that is a settled but wide awake state of the mind. So it's something real. It's not just make-believe, booga-booga, hooey-dooey, new age stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a complete change in the way your brain functions during TM. I do know that George has a very stressful job and certainly the past four years, the new cycle has been non-ending and he will meditate and he'll feel after 20 minutes like he's taken a long nap. Well, you ever heard of cortisol? Yeah, of course. Yeah, cortisol is a stress hormone. It's secreted by the adrenal glands, which sit on top of our kidneys. And cortisol weakens digestion. It weakens the immune system. That's why if a person is stressed or anxious to get sick more often, it floods a part of the brain, the memory center in the brain called the hippocampus, which is why when you're stressed, you can't remember things. If you get a good night's sleep, eight hours of sleep, your cortisol levels will drop 10%. 20 minutes of TM, cortisol levels drop 30 to 40% every time. Wow. Now, that's not all meditations. That's transcendental meditation. And I have to say again, being a believer is irrelevant. I don't have to believe in gravity for this pen to fall. Mm -hmm. So a person could come to learn to TM and say, I think this is a crock. doesn't matter. It'll still work. Let me be one of those people right now. Yeah, go for it. Just for any cynics out there listening. Uh, Bob, why don't I just take a Xanax and get the same effect? Because you don't get the same effect, actually. Xanax calms the parts of the brain where we get anxious called the amygdala. It calms it, Mm -hmm. but it also doesn't actually get to the underlying stress that's causing that anxiety. There's a buildup every day. You're raising kids. You're under pressure. We just absorb stress. We absorb stress. We absorb stress. The best antidote to stress is rest, but there's too much. Sleep isn't enough. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about transcendental meditation, we can strip away all the vocabulary and the verbiage, and we can just say, you're giving your body deep rest at will, deeper than sleep in many regards, and yet you're awake. And that has a whole constellation of health benefits beyond reducing cortisol. There's another hormone called serotonin, which is your happiness neurotransmitter. When a person is depressed, they have low levels of serotonin. Prozac mimics serotonin. During transcendental meditation, there's an increase, significant increase in serotonin, and it stays up. So that's why it's been found to be very effective when we work with veterans who have post-traumatic stress disorder. It reboots your whole system with no side effects. So if I were on Zoloft or Prozac, It's an artificial way of getting to a very natural state. Well, what those do is they just mask the symptoms, but you're not allowing that buildup of trauma or stress and tension, which fuels that depression. You're not allowing your body to heal itself. So when your body during TM gets this very deep state of rest, this buildup of stress and tension, it's as if a knot that gets to be unwound. So in your skepticism towards TM, just look at it as the human nervous system has a mechanism to take profound rest at will. And when we don't do that, we're not accessing all the potentiality of the body. Mm-hmm. People say to me, well, why do you have to meditate? And you know, maybe 500 years ago or something like that, when life was a little less stressed, maybe we naturally accessed it. But life is so intense now. Particularly right now, yeah. Yeah, the purpose of meditation, thousands and thousands of years old, is the skill set to be able to access it at will. Have you noticed now during the difficult 
period in our history that people are using meditation more and more? Oh, yeah. One of the biggest causes of stress, we're told, is uncertainty, lack of control. Yeah. You know, we teach our children, you have life experiences and you make your decisions based on what you knew from the past. Use your common sense. Mm -hmm. Well, now everything is up in the air. What we know from the past, those rules don't hold. So there's this uncertainty, there's this lack of control, there's this anxiety. So where do I find certainty? Well, it turns out inside, at least with TM, inside there's that level which is settled and steady. And when you want to talk to George about something or one of your kids, you say, let's go someplace quiet to talk. Right. Just let's go someplace quiet. You don't say, let's go to a sports bar. And so all we're doing is accessing, well, maybe some people would. Well, not to George. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like the ocean, there's a level inside of us that we can access that's there. And, you know, I'm a skeptic by nature. I'm not into new age woo-woo. I love big ideas, but it's got to be rooted in something. Right. But the lovely thing about transcendental meditation, anybody can be completely skeptical And there's a huge amount of research now that shows that it works. We're about to start a a study with the Veterans Administration in nine VA hospitals on the effect of TM for reducing suicide. Wow. And PTSD and anxiety and depression. We're also going to do another study on TM and high blood pressure because that's the number one cause of death among adults in America is high blood pressure. And TM in earlier studies has been shown to be more effective than antihypertensive medication. So we're doing those studies so that it'll be covered by Medicare and your insurance companies. So it's a new time. It's a new time in the world. Wow. Let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. And we're back. Can you give me examples of some of the people that you've worked with who are under immense stress and some of the changes that you witnessed in them? Well, we're working with a nurse who's on the front lines of the COVID epidemic in Washington, D.C., in a public hospital. Mm. And she has been, you know, 12, 14-hour shifts. She's a single mom. She comes home. She can't hug her children. She walks in the door at one in the morning, peels her clothes off, puts them in a washing machine, takes a shower, goes to bed, sometimes doesn't even see her children the next morning. And this has been going on for months. And she was drinking to self-medicate and she couldn't sleep. And she learned Transcendental Meditation. We have something with the David Lynch Foundation called Heal the Healers, where we provide TM for free to these providers on the front lines. And she said within two weeks of meditating, and we have this on video, Mm -hmm. within two weeks of meditating, she was sleeping through the night and she was nicer to her kids. And she also was stronger. She talked to her supervisor and said, I can't do this. I'm a good nurse. You're going to have to 
because she was getting pushed around. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's been a lifesaver for her. I mean, there's other things we have to do. You have to eat properly. You have to exercise, you know, all those things. Right. But this has been a missing element, the ability to let your body take this profound rest at will. Have you thought about implementing it in schools? Well, we have been in, in a number of schools. So previous research has shown its benefit for learning. Grades go up and suspensions and expulsions go down. There was a big study in Chicago mm-hmm. with 2,000 kids. They wanted to see in the toughest schools alley, picked by the Chicago public school system, if teenagers meditated, would there be fewer arrests for violent crime? Because that's impulsivity in the brain. Yeah. And? And if a child gets arrested for violent crime, her or his life is over, basically. And whenever they've done interventions, if there was a reduction of 10%, 15% reductions in arrests, they were thrilled. In this study, 70% reduction in arrests for violent crime, 7-0. Wow. So now what we're doing is wanting to expand that to larger school systems so that it also can be covered by government funding because we're leaving kids out you know, kids where your kids go to school, right. everybody, the level of trauma and stress, the number two cause of death among teenagers is suicide. Right. So yes, I think this needs to be part of schools, just like physical education. I do too, actually, because the, particularly the teenage brain, like you said, there's a, there's a risky behavior always. And particularly right now, the teenage suicide rate is so high. And I've even, I have my own little guinea pig at home, our youngest daughter. And on a much less level, she gets very stressed out. You know, she's a very feeling person and she gets stressed out about school. She gets stressed out about the world. When she was younger, she had these night terrors about ISIS and George got her to meditate and it's really helped her a lot. Well, there's something called HSP, a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. And that's a technical term, unlike woo-woo, highly (laughs) sensitive person. And highly sensitive person, like your daughter, means that they feel things very deeply and there's a lot of fear. And there's a richness to their life because they feel things deeply. But then there's also, there's a downside because they get overwhelmed. And so transcendental meditation is a tool, is not a philosophy. If I or someone were to teach you to meditate, the teacher has no agenda. They say, Allie, here's something you do. It takes about an hour a day over four days to learn it. Then I'll leave you alone. And then you do it as you wish to do it. And you're just accessing that mechanism of deep rest. And so a child, an adult, a single mom, anybody, these days, the whole world is at risk. Yeah. Talk to me about the power of discernment being just as effective as being assertive. So discernment and assertive, two different things. Mm -hmm. Discernment, it's a wonderful, can I talk a little bit about the brain? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. So there's two parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. There's the emotional brain, which is the old part of your brain. It's in the center of your brain. It's called the limbic system. That's your emotional center, reactivity. And then there's the prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain, which is your rational brain, which is your ability to think clearly. Mm-hmm. What happens is when we're stressed, information comes into this emotional part of the brain and it's supposed to ping up to the prefrontal cortex to say, is this as scary as I think it is? You know, mm-hmm. is, is this like dangerous? And then the prefrontal cortex this front says, no, no, you're okay. It's not a problem. That person who gave you the dirty look was just having a bad day, something like that. And so it bypasses that, your rational brain, and it just goes 
to your adrenal glands and pumps out cortisol and adrenaline. And now you can't think clearly. Right. So what transcendental meditation does is it calms and keeps steady this emotional center, the limbic system, just keeps it steady. It doesn't shut it off. We need it, mm -hmm. but it just keeps it balanced and wakes up the cognitive, the decision-making, the ability to make clear decisions. And that's why you say to a child, think before you act, look before you cross. Right. And, and as adults, we need to do the same thing. But if we're stressed, then our body's in a reactivity mode and we can never do it. And again, meditation helps keep balance. It's interesting. Years ago, I was uh, living in Los Angeles and I had just done a, a show. I was part of a theater company and, um, and I was surrounded by a gang and they robbed me and it was a very sort of dark time. And what was interesting to me was I got incredibly submissive. Like I just shut down, you know, my mind shut down. I looked down, my body shut down and I was in, for lack of a better word, a meditative state. And I was going along with whatever they wanted. And suddenly something in my brain woke up and it was this kind of fight or flight thing. And I ran, you know, my adrenaline just kicked in and I, I ran away from the situation. But I've always looked back at that time. And maybe this is my hesitation about meditation. I felt that because my brain shut down, that being in that state, it, it went against my survival instincts. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was not a meditative state. So there's this term fight or flight you just mentioned. Yes. But there's actually a third quality they call it, fight, flight, or freeze. And so you were in the fight or flight mode. So you went into that freeze mode of just immobilized. You couldn't do anything. And then it shifted gears to run like hell or fight. So that was not a meditative state. Meditative state, you wouldn't be incapacitated. A meditative state is wide awake, very alert, and just, it, it's like a ninja or a martial artist where they're just mm -hmm. steady inside and clear, but able to act like that. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was not a meditative experience. That was freeze. But I think that people confuse that, which yes, is why yes. I brought it up because I did. Yeah. So Actually, the roots of transcendental meditation are the warrior classes of ancient times. When you're hand-to-hand, -hand, you can't fight out of anger, fear, jealousy, all this silly stuff, macho. As a matter of fact, the, most, the best warriors are the ones who never fought. So they're rock-solid, steady inside, and alert and, and ready to go if they need to go. So this is the opposite of that fight, flight, or freeze. Um, I want to delve in a little bit to the idea of keeping calm. And you talk about the science of intuition, which I'm fascinated by because, you know, it's my gut. I, li I like try to listen to my gut and have self-awareness. Talk to me about that science of intuition. Well, it's a very interesting thing because, again, there's a balance between going with your feelings, which are subtler, mm -hmm. and going with emotions which can be reactive. You know, well, my gut's telling me that he's a... Well, that really wasn't intuition. That was just one was hyper-reactive to the situation. Intuition actually is a subtler and more powerful quality of the mind than intellect. So in the ancient understanding, you have the thinking mind. That's like the waves, just I'm thinking a million thoughts. And then subtler than that is your intellect that says, I'm going to eat that and I'm not going to eat that, or I'm going to wear this or I'm not going to do that. So that's the choice, the ability to filter out all those million thoughts and pick one based on previous information. 
Intuition is subtler than that. Mm -hmm. Intuition is on a deep feeling level of almost truthfulness. This resonates with me. I know in my heart of hearts this is wrong or this is right. Someone says, why are you going? Why are you doing that? I don't know. It just feels right. But that, to go with your intuition means that you really have to have a calm, clear mind. So it's not fired up by emotions and reactivity and Mm -hmm. he said and she said and you did that two weeks ago and that's not what you want. So to rely on intuition, which is a more powerful way to make decisions, it requires that clear mind. They call it, in the ancient meditation text, they call it having a mind like that is like a a candle flame in a windless place. It's just Mm -hmm. crystal clear. I've thought deeply about this and I know this to be true. It's, it's hard to get there. Well, that's a value, though, of meditation, though. That's a value of meditation because that level is there. Yeah. But if we're stressed and anxious, then we're constantly in a reactive mode. One other thing I want to tell you, there's a wonderful, amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's about how you can have experiences, maybe you're talking about that gang, or even when you're in the womb or you're five years old and something traumatic happened to you. You don't remember the experience, but your body never forgets. Mm -hmm. Your body keeps the score and that stress or trauma is in your body and it's influencing all of your decisions going forward. So again, the value of transcending, of meditation, of giving the body this deep rest so those knots of stress can be healed, absolutely essential. How would meditation help with trauma? So there's two aspects to trauma. One is the neural pathways. Quick description is you have a jungle and then you cut a road and that becomes your path. Mm -hmm. So I have a neural pathway of when I am sad to self-medicate, I eat or I drink or I have sex. And whenever I have the experience of sad, then that's how I self-medicate. I go that pathway. And you can so let's let's say you were a soldier in Iraq and you experienced, let's say, the loss of a friend. You saw him killed in front of your eyes, and that lives in you. Yes, and you saw your friend, and there was an explosion. Yeah, and that and so what happens now is now you have a neural pathway. If you ever hear a firecracker go off, mm-hmm. or fireworks, or a car backfire, mm-hmm. your neural pathway, your re- reaction, your trauma is to fight or flight or freeze when something goes off. So what happens when you meditate, when you take this deep rest? First, your body gets this deep relaxation, which allows the chemicals to reset. So the cortisol goes down and the serotonin goes up and the dopamine increases. But, Allie, even more importantly, now the experience of accessing that quiet within you Now your brain is setting new neural pathways, new paths, calmer, healthier, more normal, similar to before you had that experience. So now you're giving the body and the brain new experiences. And those become, there's a term called neuroplasticity. The neurons or brain cells that fire together during meditation, healthy, wire together out of meditation. And that's one reason why Abstinence programs like Persons and Alcoholic 
and they go away for a month for treatment and they don't take any alcohol and they're clean and then they come back to their community and then they're just back in it again because nothing has changed. They've just stopped drinking alcohol. With meditation, you're actually giving the brain a new healthy experience. So that's true with all of trauma. You're giving the brain a balanced experience, which is why we're working with veterans. Yeah, is meditation taught at rehab centers as well? Yes, more and more and more and more. Yeah. There's a lot more to come after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Simply by Frito-Lay. These days, you have a lot going on. But now, thanks to Simply by Frito-Lay, you have one less thing to worry about. So kick back and enjoy your favorite Frito-Lay snacks with ingredients to feel good about, like Simply Blue Corn Tostitos, Sea Salted Ruffles, and even White Cheddar Cheetos Puffs, all made with no artificial colors or flavors. Enjoy what you love and look for Simply Brand snacks online or at a store near you. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Welcome back. I think I, I think people, particularly right now, aren't taking care of themselves. And so anything that seems to sort of help our inner self seems not unnecessary, but indulgent. You know what I mean? You know, Allie, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. And we're talking about 30, 40 minutes, something like that, to just for what? For ourself. So as Jerry Seinfeld says, if you don't plug in your cell phone, if you don't recharge it, it's useless. Yeah. So just to reboot ourselves so that we can be present for our children, we can be present for our partner, we can be present for the work we do. Otherwise, we're just going to run out and run out and then we're getting into this downward cycle of self-medication. And so it does require a decision that, okay, for a month, I'm going to try this TM. For a month, I'm going to try walking or exercising and see if the return on the investment of that time isn't valuable. And if you pick the right meditation or you pick the right exercise, it'll come back a hundredfold. Yeah. I think women are guilty of that. Oh, more than ever, more than anyone, Allie, more than anyone. And the reason I say that is I was feeling that for a long time. And then I started taking these long walks and taking a little bit of time for myself. And I felt so much better just in my day-to-day life. So one of the things I want to do, and this is going to surprise my producer, but what I want to do, Bob, is because we've had this fascinating conversation, is I would like to go and work with you 
on meditation and then be able to come back as somebody that's gone through this process and be able to speak about it. Because I actually feel like having talked about it on a podcast is one thing, but for me to experience it might be a whole life-changing thing for myself. Um, but before I go do that, I, I want to ask you, there, there are listeners who maybe aren't comfortable with the idea of meditation or they feel like they're not capable of doing it. So what would be some of the techniques you would suggest to them to start getting used to the process of it? It's a really good question. Some people will say to me, I believe, it's almost going back to what you said at the beginning, and I am going to answer your question. I'm just putting this in context. They'll say to me, I believe meditation is good. I just don't think I can do it. I just don't think my mind is, I have a type A, ADD. I can't sit for 30 seconds and I don't want to fail. So I just have to say that if you don't like the word meditation or transcendental meditation, just call it technique X. I don't care, just vocabulary. It doesn't make any difference. So my first answer to that is it's taught, it takes about an hour a day over four consecutive days. It's not taught out of a book. It's not a mass meditation. This ability to turn your attention within and experience those quiet levels of you is simple but delicate. So Allie, if I were to teach you, then, you know, I'll take that time and then you've got it for your whole life. If in the meanwhile, you want to do something, you know, I mean, you can do anything. You can go online and look up some breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. The purpose of breathing exercises, the medical side is you breathe in through your nostrils, you bring air up into your brain, it calms your amygdala, which is your reactivity center. So something as simple as breathing in through your nose, holding it for a second and then out through your lips and holding it for a second and do that 10 times has a very calming effect because oxygen feeds your brain. And when we're anxious, you breathe to your mouth. It never gets to your brain. So I would recommend to your listeners, don't get too caught up in some complicated app sort of thing. Find some simple breathing that has a very powerful temporary effect. And then I would email me at bob at davidlynchfoundation.org. And, and if you have further questions, I'll answer them. That is my personal email address. That doesn't go to somebody else. Wow. Thank you, Bob. So you can email me and I will answer your questions. And how do you deal with people who say it's too pricey for me? Well, it's, it's a, the, the course fee now is according to a person's salary. If you make X amount of money, it's $380. If you make this much money, it's $500. If you can't afford it, you write a letter to me at the David Lynch Foundation and we give it to you for free. So we don't turn people away. Wow. And the course fee just goes to, you know, it's a profession for teachers. Right, right. So Bob, I'm really excited to try meditation because I had a whiff of it just taking some time alone that it made me want to do even more and go deeper. Will you take me on this journey? Will you do these four <laughs> sessions with me? I think I've probably been waiting for this question. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Okay. I would love to teach you. And I should say for your listeners, wherever you are in the world, there's a thousand TM centers, Transcendental Meditation Centers, and there are certified teachers and it's a nonprofit organization. Go to tm.org and you can find out where TM centers are near you. But yeah. I'd be very happy to teach you, Allie. <laughs> Bob Roth, thank you so much for this. Really, very, very eye-opening and inspiring and challenge accepted, it sounds like. So I'm looking forward to this. Thank you, Bob. Really nice chatting with you a lot.
So I started my four-day meditation with Bob Rock. And every morning I would drive over to his house and I would experience such anxiety, curiosity, cynicism, because I've just had this bizarre notion of what meditation was. And I've always felt like I was just too high strung for it. So the first day I walked in, very calm presence. Bob is a very calm person, took off my shoes, filled out a form about meditation. And we went into a room that was completely bare. And Bob started this ritual with flowers and a piece of fruit. And it felt a little bit culty, which threw me. But then I just leaned into it. And it was actually a beautiful Buddhist ceremony. And then we tried meditation. And again, my brain is going a thousand miles an hour. I'm thinking about all the things I needed to do that day. And as I put my feet down on the ground and I put a blanket over my lap, I thought, there's no way I'm going to do this. There's no way I'm going to do this. And Bob kept saying to me, there's no right way of doing it. You just breathe. And he gave me my mantra. And the first day, I actually found myself relaxed. I actually, if we looked at meditation like the waves on the top, and the deepest part of the ocean on the bottom, I dipped down, which was amazing for me. So I left very optimistic. The second day I came and we meditated and I experienced something I had never experienced before, which was I had been toying away with an idea for a movie, but just didn't really think it through. And it was in the preliminary stages of like, ah, would this be interesting? And as I meditated, I saw the whole movie completely cinematically, as if I had sat down in a movie theater and watched the film, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And it was so vivid and so colorful that when I got out of the meditation, I was invigorated and excited, and I immediately wanted to write the movie. So that, I thought, this is the greatest thing in the world. And I realized I don't give myself enough time to actually think and quote unquote meditate on some of my creative ideas. Um, The third day I had another great meditation and I started doing it myself in the morning and then in the afternoon. And the last day we mostly just talked about tools and ways to keep it going. And what I realized was my big epiphany about meditation was I thought it was, I was basically going to put myself in a coma, but it is the opposite. When I meditate for 20 minutes and then I'm done and I open my eyes, I actually have more energy. I thought I would, you know, fall asleep and start snoring every time I meditated, but I actually have more energy. You know, it's not like a cup of espresso energy, but I just feel more alive. It's all about neuroscience and it's all about how the brain works. And if you meditate twice a day for 20 minutes and you just repeat your mantra over and over again, anything that happens is okay. You could go into a deep place. You could spend that 20 minutes with your brain just shooting off all kinds of thoughts of things you have to do and it's okay. But one of the things so important when it comes to meditation is all of it is okay. All of it is fine and each meditation will be completely different. And that's what's so fascinating about it. 
So I, I couldn't be happier that I finally got over my little cynical hurdle. And now my friend Marishka and my husband George, they want to meditate with me, which that's going to be my next big thing because I keep thinking I'm going to get the giggles or someone's going to fart or it's just not going to be productive. But so we'll see. But I am now part of the meditative population, the TM group. And I think it's, I think my life is better for it. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. Next week on Go Ask Alley, I talk to Arthur Brooks, a writer and researcher of happiness. And I have to say right now, everybody could use a little happiness. And it turns out there's a lot of science in it too. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and follow me on social media, on Twitter, Allie E. Wentworth, and on Instagram, The Real Allie Wentworth. And if you have questions or guests you'd like to hear from, I'd love to hear from you. Call or text me at 323-364-6356 or email me, goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.